Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Luke 12. Luke, the 12th chapter in the 13th verse. Pastor Bob Rogers will be here on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So, and then if you're watching online or you're here on Daystar on Ministry Now, which is uh, 11 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Time, uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown is their guest, and then they asked if I'd come on with him. So we're going to, like Adonis and I are on together, we'll be on in the morning, and that's going to be worth watching. I admire them for having the bravery to put me and him on live. <laughs> Luke chapter 12. There's something in my heart, and if you watch the morning broadcast, I dealt with it, is that most people will go, if they do go on a fast, they're going to finish the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and nothing is going to change much because they won't change. They won't change their routine up. What's the point of praying for God to open doors if you won't walk through any of them? Last week? I got, we got a text message. Would you be willing to come back to Daystar? Well, to come back and, and, and do what I'm doing here and go there, that's a charter flight. Uh, where's Patrick? Go, gone? Upstairs. Uh, that's a charter plane, and I'm not complaining if they're watching from Daystar. I'm making a point. You know, you don't get offerings or anything when you go down there, which, again, I'm not complaining. You get exposure, which is worth more than offerings. And you get to speak to the whole world. It's on in Australia. I mean, I get, when we finish there, we have pictures, people sending stuff on Instagram from Cameroon and French Africa and uh, all over the world, Europe. So it's worth going to. But what I'm saying is your average person would say, I just went. That was $40,000. And it'll be another 40000 to go back. And it's in the natural, it's a $40,000 loss. All right, well, you know, we didn't have that in the budget. And we don't have it planned. When the door opens, you go through it. I said, when the door opens, you go through it. Because there's no point in God opening doors if you're going to just stand in the room and like, oh, that's great. The Lord opened the door. Look at uh, our friends that just testified. I didn't have any connections to go on Russian television. It was just in my heart. Not only that, during the, the, the Ukraine-Russian war, uh, whatever's going on over there. We'll put war in quotes. I'm not sure... Whether it's a TV show or a war, to be honest with you. Usually when you're in the heat of battle, Ben Stiller can't make an appearance, is, is all I'm saying. So, uh, and you can't do a David Letterman interview. I don't see a lot of old footage <laughs> of Benito Mussolini sitting down with Johnny Carson. So, whatever's going on. You, you can't go on Russia, you can't send payments to um, Russia without getting flagged from the Department of Defense. So, I mean, even to find a channel that has reach into there that, that we can pay to and send funds without our accounts being frozen was a miracle. And then it's not free. It was going to be an, an additional, not in the budget, which, again, going on Daystar wasn't in the budget last year. It opened up in January. I took it. That's about an $800,000 decision just for the airtime. And then 
You add Russia in on top of that, that's another quarter million. But the, I felt it in my spirit. Then ha You'd have to be pretty block-headed to have a Russian couple follow you to your car in the parking lot and say, I don't know if you ever thought about going on Russian TV as you're thinking about it and thinking about translation and say, I'm the top, you know, she didn't say it, but that's what she's saying. I'm the top ministry English to Russian translator there is. Kenneth Copeland can use anybody he wants. He's not uh, raising BGMC barrels to try to get his programs finished. He has pl plenty of money. You guys are in a good mood, huh? You just ate. <laughs> Everyone's giggling. So... When that happens, you can see the Lord's in it, so you, you keep moving. Well, it's not in the budget. We get one, one letter from someone. I heard that you're, we just announced it. I heard you're going on television in Russia, and I want to sow towards that. $260,000 from one person who we never met, who, ha, who was from a state we've never been to, who had never sown in the ministry before. Everybody say, when the door opens, walk through it. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes in the New Living Translation that says, if you wait for conditions to be perfect, you'll never get anything done. Most people, they want the too sick. That's how ministry has been trained. We're going to do this, so it costs this much. We're going to raise it first, then we're going to go. You miss the whole thing. We're going to raise our mission support and then go on the mission field. It'll never happen. How many crusades would you have done, uh, you and your wife, if you had wanted the money first before you did the crusade? Zero? Zero. You go. The door opens and you go. The Lord speaks to us to start a church. We have no building. We have nothing to have a church in or, or, or to do a church. And you move forward and you find the provisions aren't given to you before the, you go on the battlefield. The provision is waiting for you on the battlefield. And so as we go into this last week, you know, I never, I never went to a gym in my life. I skipped all the mandatory workouts when I played uh, sports in high school. I, I don't like moving or leaving the home or anything so and then I was at a minister's conference one time and across I was sitting in the front row and across the front row I just watching all these old guys get up to use the restroom during service and it looked something like this I was thinking, man, you could saddle a horse faster and ride to the bathroom. And then I watched these old guys doing that, and I thought, that old guy is 55, and I'm 38. He's not that much older than me. And, I, and it was taking me longer to stand up. I thought, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to move. Well, you know when I made that decision was during the fasting and prayer. There's something that happens when you consecrate this time to God, whereas you come into this last week, you start to think about, how am I going to line my life up now after this time is over? Am I going to just do this as a one-off? And if you were here in the daytime, I talked about Mardi Gras and Lent. If you come from a Catholic background, you know that Lent's on Wednesday. Lent, where the gray, gray ash cross on the forehead. And you fast that day. I think you're allowed to eat fish, but it's a day of fasting and you go to church. Well, what's Mardi Gras? Mardi Gras is, I know tomorrow is fasting on Wednesday, so Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday. So tomorrow I fast, today I eat, today I go down to the French Quarter in New Orleans and uh, look at topless women and drink myself into oblivion, and then I'll get serious with God tomorrow in church, and then uh, go back to Fat Thursday after, after Lent. Then I'll go back, oh, thank God, the fast is over. I'm, I'm going to eat like Homer Simpson uh, uh, coming out of work and, and make up for lost time. If you live like that, you're on the same road that Samson was on. Samson would use the anointing, 
when he needed to get out of, out of a problem. And then as soon as he didn't need it anymore, he'd snap right back in to carnal living and it cost him his eyes. And I contrasted that this morning with Daniel. Daniel was constantly in prayer to the point that the Babylonian pagan king referred to him as Daniel was the God who you pray to continually able to save you in the, uh, uh, from, the, from the lions in the den. Daniel didn't use the anointing and step out of it. And so I want you, as you have that brewing in your spirit right now, there's a reason it's there. I joined the gym uh, whenever, whenever it was, 2018 or 19. It was coming out of prayer and fasting. I gave myself one week to eat after. I didn't, I didn't want to go work out and do strenuous exercise coming out of doing a full fast. I gave myself one week to eat and, uh, and, then, and then went at it. I restructured my life. We added prayer in last year. Prayer became a part of my daily routine. We were going to do 12 to 1 during prayer and fasting and then be done. And the Lord said, keep this going. I said, what if no one comes? He said, you'll be here praying every day and that will matter. So there should be things that you're already thinking about. I guarantee you, if you've been doing this fast, there's things God's spoken to you about about your diet. And you know what? When I come off this fast, I'm going to eat like this, this, and this. I'm not going to eat first thing when I wake up. You're already thinking about reorganizing your life to take the flow that you're tapping into now and bring it through the whole year rather than just go right back to life the way it was. There is part of breakthrough, if you want it to be continuous, where you start setting up systems in your life that you do whether you feel like it or not. Prayers at noon, whether I feel like it or not. My, my trainer that I hired, who, who I'm still with the same one, I admired her because she kept everything going during COVID and uh, going to people's homes and training them unafraid of, uh, uh, of getting sick. I like that. So I meet with her wh whether I feel like it or not. That's the whole reason I have a trainer. I could look up how to exercise on YouTube. I will never do the exercise. I need an appointment to break with, with someone. I like that you're here at prayer at noon. Whether I, I, I would feel bad leaving a whole room full of people waiting for leadership. So whether I feel like praying or not, I'm here. I'm setting things up. To do things that must be in my life and to, and to make steps different than the year before. That's why I went on Daystar. It's an $800,000 decision to go on Daystar. But what is the price of not going on? That's what people, you know how that guy that gave 260,000, uh, 260,000 found me, found me on Daystar. People always think about the cost and what they have to, uh, uh, to lose if they do it. But very few people think about the cost and what you have to lose if you don't go forward. So that brings us to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verse 13. The parable of the rich fool. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? I guarantee you out of the 4,500 people that registered for prayer and fasting, that had to be somebody's prayer point. They have an inheritance. My sisters fight me over it. Father, kill her. Kill her in Jesus' name. Make the money come to me in Jesus' name. There's a, nothing changes much. Right? Someone's right in the presence of Jesus. He, he's the son of God. Can you? He's not Judge Judy. Can you settle a dispute between me? Jesus said, who, who made me the judge over, over that matter? Then he's going to further rebuke them. So they have selfish requests. Luke 12. Who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. 
Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. These are the kind of scriptures I read that people use to not teach and preach on prosperity. If you heard my, me my offering message yesterday, and then you hear me reading these, you think, Jonathan, this is like the opposite of what you told us yesterday. No. We believe in prosperity, but I've read the Bible. I, I'd have people. You know, I came from an Assemblies of God background. They don't like prosperity. So the people, Jonathan, you preach on prosperity. What do you do with scriptures like this? What do I do with them? I've read them, and I understand them. So I understand Bible prosperity in the context of the whole Bible. The Bible says, labor not to be rich. I'm not on a 21 day of prayer and fasting to get my sister's money from my parents' inheritance. I don't care about any of that. My dad told me, I don't know whether he feels bad for my upbringing. I, 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 I don't know what he's feeling bad about. But he said, you know, I want you to know we're working on this house and remodeling it. It's been appraised. It was appraised at a high amount of money at seven acres. One day when I pass, I'll leave that to you and your sister. I said, Dad, you had me when you're 20. Your dad lived till he was in his mid-80s. I don't know of any Shuttlesworths that have died before their mid-80s. And you, you, you're in better health than any of them were. I said, you're going to kick off no, no sooner than 90. What do I sit around? I'm 42, but when I turn 70, <laughs> potentially I have a large inheritance. I'm living. I'm living. I heard Lester Summerall say when, when his mother passed, she left an inheritance. And uh, his, his, I can't remember, I think it was his sister, wanted all the inheritance and was going to sue him, so he gave all the money to her and paid the property tax on the house every year just to go in the other direction. Can you say amen? amen. So he's telling this person, not only am I not going to decide your matter, I'm going to tell a story to make you feel even more like a bozo. <laughs> Beware, guard against every kind of greed. So prosperity in the Bible and achievement and advancement is not motivated by greed. <laughs> My neighbor is, is a member of our church. He lives two doors down from me. There's nothing motivating me. I'm going to show him how big I can get. He's my friend. I'm not trying to do things to slight other people. Labor not to be rich. What do you do with a scripture like that? Labor not to be rich. And then in the same Bible, Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes a man and addeth no sorrow. Say this out loud. Prosperity. Is not, is not my ambition. Prosperity is my birthright. Is my birthright. I refuse to strive to do anything. Someone was telling us last year, we outgrew this building. Then we're in the dome. They said, uh, uh, no, it was a minister that was visiting. I saw you outgrew that, that building, and now you're in that dome. Uh, what, what are your plans? How are you going to get another, another building? I said, I didn't get the first one. What are you going to do to get, I don't know. I'll let you know after I do it. I didn't have any plans to get that Jesus did it. I have no pressure. Jesus isn't stupid. He sees where we are. He sees where w w the, the building and land thing. He's not dumb. I'm not making anything happen. I, I, I'm not striving. We're going to build the biggest church in Pittsburgh to show all these pastors. In fact, I've watched ministers. I watched one in particular. My nephew's in the front row. He'd know who I'm talking about. I told him. He said years, uh, uh, three or four years ago, the Lord spoke to me to start a church in Dallas, or Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Lord spoke to me to start a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Revival used to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It hasn't been there. We're going to start a church and bring revival back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the promo move video for the church 
was Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, and then him. Well, that's lofty company. It'd be like being a little league player and making a video for your coach, and it's Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, and then you. So when he did that, the pride and arrogance to do that, I showed my nephew and I said, he'll be in and out of Tulsa in a handful of years because his motivations are wrong. And the arrogance to tell all the hardworking pastors that are in a whole city that none of them know what they're doing and you're going to come and bring that. That's the same. That's what Jesus was warning against. I'm the best. I'm going to show this world I'm the best. I'm going to show the world how much land I can buy. That's not Bible prosperity. Bible prosperity is you're open to increase and advancement. You take the steps the Lord shows you for increase and advancement, but your heart is not trying to slight or show everyone how great you can be. You have a heart to show the world how great God can be through someone whose life is fully yielded to them. I see you doing that in Jesus' name. I said, I see you doing that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. And he was. That church was open and closed in three years. Then he started another church in another city. That lasted about four months. And then and now he, he's still on my Instagram for some reason. Now he's selling mortgages. So oh, interesting. So really what you wanted to do is make money. Because I noticed when he failed in those, the, the cities that he failed in, he didn't move overseas uh, to the Central African Republic to help rebuild the country and take the gospel to a place that doesn't have it. So you just want money. You want to be famous, you want to be the top pastor so you can wear suits and people know you're the top pastor. Where, what is your motivations, and I pray in, in two weeks, if there was any of that in you, that the prayer and fasting has burned it out of you. Any, any selfish, fleshly ambition. The photos that I, that, I, that I post on Instagram routinely of me getting on and off of aircraft is for two reasons. It's not to show off that I have planes. It's number one, I've always documented my travels. I have pictures of me getting in and out of a Toyota Camry because I have pictures of me traveling and preaching the gospel. I've documented my life. Number two, I show it so that everyone knows what I'm doing. And if you have a problem and you'd rather me go on horseback to Dallas, Texas to go to Daystar, then you can leave and we can lose people three and four at a time rather than hide from people what we're doing. Like I, my dad, my father was going to have, you know, he bases his traveling ministry out of Bangor, Maine. Bangor, Maine is a very nice place. It's not the best place to base logistically a traveling ministry. The airport has three gates, one on the first floor and two on the top floor. It's like a, a home. It's like a home that plan, planes land at. And so, there, there, and I traveled out of there. There's no direct flights to hardly anywhere. And then if they cancel any flights, that one with nine people on it is the first one to cancel. <laughs> so my dad's going to leave here at nine in the morning from my house to go to the airport. And he's going to get home at about seven at night at 60 some years old. And he's been doing it because he doesn't care. But I thought, I'm not doing that. If I, if I charter planes for me and he came to preach at my church, I'm going to send him back on a plane. And so I did. Well, you know why I show the picture of him standing out there? And see what the Shuttlesworth family can do? No, it has nothing to do with that. You know why I do it? So that if somebody, Pittsburgh is a small town dressed up as a big city. So, I, so instead of having some baggage handler 
Leak it out. You know, that preacher sent his dad home on a Lear jet. Now, yes, I saw, I follow him on Instagram. He showed the picture of him and his dad smiling, getting on the jet. There's nothing to expose if you expose everything. Can you say amen? amen. Now, you know how, you know, I'm telling the truth. Scroll back through my Instagram and tell me how many vacation photos of mine you've seen. None, unless it's at the Grand Canyon or some free place. How many restaurant photos? None. And, and I eat at the best places and stay at the best places. But nobody sees that because I'm not looking to rub my blessing in people's face. The, the airplane stuff is basically a defense maneuver because there's been ministries that have hidden that from the public. Then it gets exposed, and then half the people that are following them get upset and leave. If KDK did a special on me and said, there's a preacher that uses airplanes. We interviewed his congregation, and that's what they thought. Oh, yeah, we know. We give to that. Because <laughs> there's nothing hidden. Can you say amen? And if they start a rumor, you know that preacher took a private jet to Texas. He had this pretty Puerto Rican girl with big hoop earrings that went on with him. I say, like, yeah, yeah, that's Pastor Dallas. We give to her too. Amen. <laughs> so you can't expose anything because it's all exposed. But I promise you there's nothing of greed in my ambition. I can tell you from a pure heart, if I had my way, I, I, I would like to be one of 20 churches in the greater Pittsburgh area that have 10,000 people or more gathering on Sunday. I actually wouldn't even care if they were Presbyterian or different. They didn't believe in prosperity. They didn't believe in healing. If, if people were getting the Bible, I'd be happy with that. I have a, a, someone I'm close to and that our family's close to. He wouldn't go to church. The guy would never go to church. His wife went to church and not him. And then I was talking to someone I'm close to, and they said, can you pray, um, so-and-so wants you to pray for her husband. He goes to a reformed church, and he won't go to a full gospel church. I, I said, wait, 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 so-and-so, the guy that would never go to church? Yeah. I said, but he's going to church? Oh, yeah, every Sunday as a Bible, reads it, but he won't go to your kind of church. I don't need him to go to my kind of church. You don't have to go. The door to heaven does not lead through this green houndstooth double-breasted jacket. <laughs> I am one of God's servants. That's why I've even been careful in the phrasing of our church to not put revival today, the home of breakthroughs and turnarounds, or revival today, the home of signs and wonders, revival today, a home of breakthroughs and turnarounds, a home of signs and wonders. I want every, what did Jesus say when the disciples came back to him and said, hey, master, just so you know, there's other guys going around casting out devils uh, under your authority. You said, Let, uh, yeah, leave them alone. The more, the merrier. That's what I told them. I said, that's great he's going to church. I'm glad he wasn't even, he was going to hell. Now he's going to heaven. I don't need him to align with me on every, now, um, so-and-so, I heard you're going to church now. Do you baptize in the name of Jesus or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? You can leave it to Christians to find one point of doctrine. Just grill people. What do you believe is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you, believe, do you baptize in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father? You're just going to pick people apart? So you don't like everybody and you can only receive people that are in your exact ilk of Christianity? I'm not going to be like that. I want to find anybody that names the name of Christ and join hands with them to see God's will established in our generation. If you're with me, can you say amen? amen. Say this out loud. Father, Father burn, out burn out of me anything that's of selfishness. All, all night prayer, uh, fasting and prayer, all of those are things that kill self. A part of you died on Friday night. 
It's a permanent beatdown of your flesh. And it, yeah, it'll raise up again, but it'll be a little more timid. You even watch. <laughs> Why do you think I have people telling me all the time now, um, even during the fast, you know, I was breaking at six and eating a huge meal. Then I just started eating little meals. And now sometimes I'm not even breaking at night and going through the next day. You know what? Because you've beaten your flesh. Your flesh, when, when it was hungry, used to go, feed me. <laughs> then after one week, um, I'd like to eat. Then after two weeks, if I could just make a suggestion. <laughs> when you have time, just don't forget about me. I'm under your rib cage. It's just, when you get a chance, I know you're busy. <laughs> True? Yeah. When we would run missions trips to Hawaii, we'd have, sometimes we'd have over 30 people on the team. And when it was mealtime, you could tell people that fasted and people that didn't fast. You know, we'd have the, we're, dinner was going to be ready at 5. There'd be people hawked over the thing. <laughs> so right, it's going to be ready at 5? Yeah, you know, it's 4.57. It's not even on the table yet. Yeah, their stomach's running the show. And then people fasting are just sitting and chilling and then let everybody else go up and get food and wait till they've filled their plate twice and then if there's any left go up and get some can you say amen, amen. say my flesh, my flesh is not, is not the, lead the, the lead horse in the parade life is not measured by how much you own then he told them a story a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops he said to himself what should i do i don't have room for all my crops then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That is, and I'm pro-America. I don't know if you come to our church on Sunday. We have an American flag the size of two soccer fields behind my head. And I like that. We open each service up with God Bless the USA by Lee Greenwood and uh, Oh Beautiful by Ray Charles. Because I heard CNN warning against Christian nationalism and anything they warn against, I said, let's get, let's get as Christian nationalistic as possible. <laughs> it's good to love the country you live in. You can't prosper in a nation you don't love. And all that stuff to try to get people to hate the nation they live in is demonic. Can you say amen? amen. So I'm not saying this, but I am saying as someone who lives here, that would sum up the American ethic in one verse. What are you going to work for? What are you doing? Because one day I'll say to myself, my friend, I've stored away. I have a big retirement fund for years to come. Now I'll just take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That man's whole goals, and that's why Jesus is telling this story coming right out of this day. My, um, somebody's not giving me my fair share of the inheritance. Hey, that's none of my business. Second of all, let me tell you a story to let you know how God feels about people like you. That their whole goal is self-retirement. Do you know how many people, I'm only 42 years old, do you know how many people I know that worked hard their whole life, saved up millions of dollars, and right as they are getting ready to retire and enjoy it, whether they got Alzheimer's or early onset dementia, or their kidneys shut down, and so they need dialysis two or three times a week and can't go 
more than a certain amount of miles from a dialysis machine, and all that money that they wouldn't go on vacation, wouldn't buy their wife anything nice, wouldn't, wouldn't enjoy life, because one day I'm going to amass a lot and say to myself, eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow I die. And when that day came, they were too sick to enjoy it, or they died ahead of time. That's, I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you, it's a stupid way to live. Plan for tomorrow, but seize today. Don't force your whole goal and vision and dream to sometime 30 years from now. This is a year, 2023, to stand up and take it by force and say, I'm going to live this year like I know Jesus is coming January 1st, 2024. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. That's how God feels about people, which would be a lot of people. One day I'm going to be a homeowner. whoop de freaking do That's the goal of life, to be a homeowner. There's people that their whole understanding about finances from the Bible and everything they read about is my wife and I's goal is to be debt free. What kind of goal is that? Who does that impact? Besides MasterCard not getting your payments anymore. I'm not, I'm not advocating sleeping in bus stops and not having uh, uh, and being full of debt. That's not what I mean. Being debt free impacts nobody but you. Being a homeowner impacts you and whoever lives with you. That's not the gospel. We don't fast and pray for the end goal of being a homeowner. You can do that without any fasting or any prayer. Don't you watch afternoon television? Anybody will give you a loan. You don't need a miracle. Bad credit, no credit, no problem. <laughs> Come to Big Gus's loan shop. <laughs> and if you start blending the prosperity message into that kind of goal system, you, you muck it all up. It gets lousy feeling. I preached for a guy one time. He had a brand new Cadillac Escalade, which I have a Cadillac. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not knocking having nice things. I'm for having nice things. You couldn't have a nice enough car for me to be ha happy enough for you. You couldn't have a big enough house. I'm not one of those pastors that if you get a, a, a 14,000 square foot house, I'm going to make some snide comment. Some people build big homes, but they've got no place for the kingdom. No, I, you, couldn't do you couldn't have enough for me to be happy. Any more than someone could give Camila too much and maybe think it's, I, I'm happy for you. But I preached for a guy one time. I won't say what state, but it rhymes with Boo Jersey. And uh, he, he had a brand new Cadillac Escalade, which is fine, with gold trim. He had big gold Versace glasses on, real nice suit. All that's fine. And then we go to his church, and it's ripped up indoor, outdoor carpeting with the seams ripped out, mismatched, stained seats, everything's garbage. Garbage keyboard, garbage sound system. And then you go to his house and everything's five star. And I thought, something's not right here. I can see, I can just take one look and see, this is all about you. And not the kingdom is last and you're first. That man today, and I can tell you his name, I'm not making up illustrations. This is not a parable. This is an actual story. <laughs> he decided one day to run for mayor. You know, anytime you see a preacher leave their ministry office to run for politics, 
It's motivated by pride. I want to go even higher. When actually you're going lower. The highest calling in all the world is to serve Jesus Christ. And to serve his church and to serve the people of God. And he was delusional. You know, if your campaign Facebook page has under 800 likes, you're not going to win. If you can't get a thousand people to like you on Facebook, you ain't going to get, and he's running in a, in a, in a large city. He didn't need 40,000 votes, 70,000 votes for, what he, for running for mayor. He finished dead last of the five people that were running. I think he had like 0.1% votes. Then lost his church, lost that home in bankruptcy, and he's, he, he's a mess because there's a reason this story of a rich fool is in the Bible. If you have the mentality that your goal is to have to lay up for yourself so that one day you can just relax. Now, now number one, learn from people that are richer than you. If David Letterman, who's a billionaire, David Letterman, remember the talk show host, David Letterman? He's a billionaire. He retired. He said, no one's ever going to see me again. Remember, he grew out that big beard. He said, I had to shave every day to be on TV. I'm never shaving again. Grew out that beard. He owns his own island. He, maybe he sold it in the last three years. But he used to at least own an island in the Caribbean. And he owns a massive ranch in Montana. I'm talking thousands of acres. And he has billions of dollars. He can do whatever he wants. Right? I won't say billions. He's a billionaire. High, I think you have to have $750 million to be considered a billionaire for some reason. So he has plenty of money. He can do anything he wants. And he unretired in less than a year and a half because he said he was so bored. He didn't even want to live. Do you know God didn't create man to kick their feet up? <laughs> now, you can do it in spurts, but I don't know about you. You have this dream. Well, I'm going to work hard, and we're planning, and I go on vacation. But let me think about it. I'm going to work hard, and then I'm gonna, on, on, in June, I'm going to go to the beach, and I'm going to put my feet up and chill. And you're there for 47 minutes. It's kind of hot. Anybody else have mosquitoes on them? Why are there mosquitoes at the beach? And within less than an hour, you want to maybe go back to the hotel? I'm hot. I had a dream to lay out in the sun for seven straight days. Then I just remembered, I'm Irish. I'm flammable. <laughs> and then on the flip side as much as it seems now think of this now that that sounds appealing i want to go to the beach then you actually do it and you plan this vacation and it's like it's all right and by the end of three or four days you know pastor rodney howard brown runs as hard as anybody not as hard as anyone i've never seen anyone run harder than him or close to as hard as him he wears out young people. I can't keep his pace. He not only preaches twice a day, he meets with people in, from the time the one meeting ends till the one starts at night and just talks with people and helps them. I, I can't do that. And so what he'll do is he'll do that, and then he would take his wife on a three-week vacation to Maui. And just, he would say, we relax. But I would watch him, because I follow him on Twitter. He'd go quiet on Twitter for like three days, then he'd start getting worked up about the World Economic Forum or the Democrat Party. And then it went from some tweets to by the third week, he's going live three hours a day on his phone. 
Dr. Rodney here from Maui. Just have a few things I want to say. I told him, you might as well just take a 10-day vacation because the last 10 days you're just preaching into your phone to the point. Why? Because God, God, the delight of life is not in, in getting away from your purpose. It's finding your purpose and doing the things that God's called you to do. We're not fasting and praying so we don't have to do anything anymore. We're fasting and praying that God would empower us to make an impact in our generation before Jesus comes back. You will make great impact in Jesus' mighty name. Say out loud, I'm not a rich fool. I'll never be a rich fool. Eat, drink, be merry, take it easy. You stored away enough for years to come. But God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night. Pastor Bob Nichols that I keep mentioning that we took out to eat last week, and we're going to take him out to eat again this week when we go down to Dallas. And then Pastor Rodney's flying him back with him on his plane so he can be at the ribbon cutting for the, the new church at 86 years old. He's retired. And when I went to eat with him, I just preached last Sunday, and a church had me in, in Dallas. It was a great service. I thought you were retired. I know, but the people keep calling wanting me to preach. You know why? Because your gift doesn't retire. Yes. If I decided to retire... And went somewhere no one knew me. Like I'm retired. I'm talking not, not done to Idaho, like Mongolia. I promise you, if I found a church to attend there on Sunday and decided I'm done preaching, that pastor, something about him seeing me would try, who are you? I've had people, have, have we not? We, we went, we've gone to churches just to attend, sit two-thirds of the way in the back. The guy, I just see him, and I go, oh, shoot. <laughs> I see this nice young man here. Who are you? Where are you from? They can tell. My, my nephew, the, the youth pastor, his grandfather retired. But he's great at what he did. He, then he's out of retirement in no time with a consultancy job. Because people need to know what he knows. Your gift won't ever take a vacation. Yes. Your gift works. And the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Yes. So just get all those American thoughts that you're going to work. And then people have the nerve in church. To teach that when you turn 55, you really need to start passing the torch to the next generation. No, where's that in the Bible? God started, there isn't another you. What if Rodney Howard Brown decided, I'm 60, I'm going to start passing the torch. To who? Where's another Rodney Howard Brown? There's only one. There'll only ever be one. It's like a real life cartoon character. There's nobody close to like him. You can't even try to imitate him. He's his own thing. There's not another you. As you develop the gift, you'll become, where's the next, who's going to be the next T.L. Osborne? There's one. Who's going to be the next Billy Graham? They've been asking that in Time Magazine since the 1980s. There's not going to be one. There'll be another evangelist that God uses to shake the country, but he won't, he won't be, it won't be another Billy Graham. It'll be another unique administration of a gift of the Holy Ghost that's in somebody. So fasting and prayer, you're developing that gift, not so you can store up a big investment account, though you can do that. You should have money in reserve. You're not to live paycheck to paycheck. The Bible says a fool also, just like he called this guy a fool, Proverbs says a fool spends everything he gets. So I'm not advocating for you to live on. That's the mistake that people have made. They think you have to choose between being a prosperity person who's materialistic, or no, I reject all that, and I don't want anything, then even the money that you do have, you're just embarrassed of it. And yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. Just 
You don't know what to do with it. I'm going to show you from the Bible. Now that we're dealing with how not to be, I'm going to show you about the thing that gets God's approval that you're going to enter into this week, and it's going to make this year a year like no other year in the name of Jesus Christ. You fool. You'll die this very night. Then he'll get everything you worked for. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth. Notice there's not a period after wealth. See, the Bible says it's a, you're a fool to store up earthly wealth. No. And not have a rich relationship with God. Or what does it say in the King James? And, be not, and not be rich towards God. A man's a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship toward God. You want to know how I could have become that, that same guy? This year, last year at this time, we had the most money in the bank we ever had as a ministry. And a brand new building, and everything swimming. So you want to know how I could be a rich A man is a fool to, ha- to store up possessions, but not have a rich relationship towards God. So what if now? Now last year, we had the record amount in the bank. This year, we have double that amount in the bank. And things are, are flowing more. So, you know, I, I, I always did start the year in fasting and prayer. But as I get older, I realize it's more just about grace. Amen. <laughs> we don't have to work. There's no amount. How many know there's no amount of fasting or prayer we can do to get God to love us anymore? And then now that I have earthly things stored up, I now don't have the same press in my spirit that I did when there was nothing to fall back on. But you want to know why Abraham is our example? Because the more God bestowed riches on Abraham, the stronger he pressed in to his relationship with God. The more God blessed Abraham, the bigger his seeds got. That is to be the attitude of every believer. Father, thank you for blessing me. But I'm not kicking back to eat, drink. (laughs) How do you know you're not a rich fool? Fasting and prayer, you want to know what it is in a, in a sentence? It's the opposite of eat, drink, and be merry. It's starve and be sad. <laughs> fasting and prayer, and coming into tonight, I, I, this is just clicking to me as I'm speaking. Really, fasting and prayer ensures that you never go in the flow of the rich fool. No, God, now I could talk, I could talk, I could be in my living room saying, you know, I'm I'm pressing into God more this year. I've made a decision where I'm going to press into God more this year than ever before. Amen. Anybody can say that. But we're not saying it. Your butt is in the gray seat. I'm here in church. I'm not having Kofi do the service. You know, I have to be a day star Thursday, so I'm resting (laughs) for that strenuous two and a half hour private flight. You know, just getting mentally ready for what I'm going to say. No, you can make a lot of excuses to, to get lazy. I see it in the fighting world a lot. A guy comes out of the projects at 18 years old. He lives in North Philadelphia or South Central Los Angeles or the bad part of Houston, Texas. And it's his only way out. Sell drugs and get killed and go to jail or fight for a living. And that guy trains. Fighting's not a sport for him. He's fighting for his life. He's fighting for his mother. He's fighting for his whole family. He's not coming into the ring trying to win a fight. He's looking to kill that guy. That guy is him beating that guy or losing to that guy is the difference between him spending life in poverty and his family spending life in poverty and dying early or getting out. And he fights like it. If you ever rent um, fights on pay-per-view, we should start doing that this year. 
for men's ministry. We should start doing UFC some Saturday nights. Not, not the fights. Watch the fights. Not have underground. <laughs> Man, we left that church meeting. Now they're holding cage fighting in there. <laughs> did you ever, without knowing who any of the fighters are, did you ever have them show both fighters? And the one guy has his hair slicked back and... You know, he's got perfect shape. And the other guy isn't even, like, in that great a shape, but he just has this look in his eye. <laughs> and the big smiling guy with the spray tan, you think, he's going to die. My money's on him. My money's on the guy whose eyes aren't looking in the same direction. The other guy has, like, cap teeth. The other guy has missing teeth. And you think, he doesn't fight for fun. <laughs> he would be doing this tonight if there was no UFC privately. <laughs> and then you watch him. You know, Mike Tyson started fighting out of juvenile prison. He was in juvenile detention at 15 years old in New York City. You know what he used to do? He used to... Ask older ladies that were carrying their groceries back to the apartment if they'd like help. And they'd say, sure. And when he got in the elevator and the elevator door closed, knock them out and take their groceries and take their money. So he, he, was, a, he was a criminal. Yeah, that's how you end up in Judah. I know, sorry, that's shocking to you. <laughs> I know after seeing him on TV, it's hard to believe he did that, but <laughs> I'm breaking it to you. And man, they sent him to juvenile prison and he... Uh, he said, one day, I saw these kids go on a bus, and then when they came back, they all had black eyes and stuff, but they were all smiling. And I said, where do they go? They said, if you go on good behavior, you're allowed to do amateur boxing. They, he was at a, prison, a juvenile prison in upstate New York. And he said, all right, it's better than staying here. I'll do it. So he starts going, and he goes at it, and he fights. I knew an Irish boxing trainer in Philadelphia. He said he wouldn't even train any kids that weren't from Section 8 housing in Philadelphia. I said, why not? He said, because the, the other ones will quit. They'll fight for a hobby. But the, I want kids that this is their only way out. So they're full out committed to fighting. Well, Mike Tyson, I remember as a kid. In fact, I, I should have, of course, we'd get taken off YouTube because we don't have the copyrights for it. But it's the only time I've ever seen other boxers look physically afraid of the guy across the ring. They'd come in their nice silk robe with their name in cursive on the back. Do you remember what Mike Tyson used to come to the ring in? A hotel towel, white towel with a head hole cut in it. And just put it on because they wouldn't let him walk out bare-chested. He was just going to come out bare-chested. And he came out. He, look in his eyes. He looks like people, if you're a preacher, that you've cast devils out of. <laughs> and he, was, he was coming to the ring, and he looked. I remember one time we got the black box from, from uh, whatever cable company in Bridgeville or Washington, Pennsylvania, and we all went over a guy's house. I was eight years old. It was when he was fighting Spinks. And I went up to get Doritos. You know, we had the Washington County Appetizer Medley. Cool Ranch, Nacho, and whatever they want. And three balls, you can mix them. It's very nice. <laughs> and I went to get some Doritos after the fight started, and that fight was over in 90 seconds, 91 seconds. Ding, boom. And you watch these guys. 
and I'm not going to say, you know, th these, these clips get to people, so I'm not going to use any more current examples, but I've watched people. They start off young, hungry fighters, fighting their whole life. Then they decide they're going to release a music album or start a tequila company, and they're on TV a lot, and you start seeing them on commercials, and as soon as you start seeing them on commercials, you think, that guy's going to get knocked out by another 20-year-old who doesn't have any commercials or anything. Because that guy was hungry as a fighter, and now he's eat, drink, and be merry, and he has money in the bank, and there's no re now he's fighting for a hobby, and he's fighting because he's good at it. But somebody else, their heart is completely engaged in the fighting. One day when I was watching a fight and thinking that, I felt the Lord speak to me. Remember that in the ministry. I'm not having some 21-year-old come out of Bible college that's fasting and praying. You see coffee? I get overtaken by a coffee that's here all night praying. And preaching. He's been gone preaching during prayer and fasting and back for prayer and fasting. He already preached in Sarasota, Florida, doing crusades that he's paying for in Ghana. He's hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungrier for this than I am for my belly. And that's what fasting and prayer proves. My stomach is not my God. And Father, if you thought I was hungry when I was 18, get a load of 42-year-old me. Because 42-year-old me is going to put 19-year-old me to shame. The more you bless me, the more you're going to be happy that you bless me in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, stay hungry, my friend. Daniel, still pressing at 90 years old. Stay hungry. Don't let America, I enjoy all the conveniences of America. Thank God for Wi-Fi. I'm glad we're doing this meeting in air conditioning. I've preached in no air conditioning. I've preached with unfinished walls. I've preached in active war zones. I thank God for all this stuff. And we're not going to lose it. That's why we fight and speak out against politics and all that, because we care about the spread of the gospel. But I am not going to allow... This stuff to turn me into some soft, spineless American pastor. We're not canceling services for inclement weather. Just the, the word sounds feminine. Inclement. It's not even severe. It's inclement. 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 The fact that you even know how to spell that word shows you don't spend enough time with God. We want to keep our people safe during this inclement weather, so we're canceling in-person services. Keep them safe. How, did we ever get a body count of how many people passed away from their walk from the car to the front door? Let's go to church. It's freezing. Tell my wife I love her. It's a freaking 21-foot walk. You can drop them off at the door. America... Now, going back to the analogy of the two fighters, America and American Christianity actually accommodates the one kind of fighter. The, and now, just so you know, we have coffee here for free. And we're gonna, now, we're going to have pizza from Oso's on Sunday night to break the fast with. But our drawing card at Revival Today isn't that sometimes we have free pizza. And sometimes we have charcuterie boards for the wedding conference. Those are niceties to show you I love you. We gave out uh, uh, ribeye steaks to everybody. When I saw Pastor Matt Ward do it in Maine, I thought that's a good idea. So the day after Father's Day, or the Sunday after Father's Day, we give out ribeyes to all the guys. We gave out gas cards to the whole congregation the one Sunday. But that's not the drawing card of this church. It's not Revival Today Church, the home of free gas cards and ribeye steaks. 
It's Revival Today Church, a home of signs and wonders. Because I'm happy to bless the people. Because at this church, we're raising people. They come to church when it's six degrees. And I'll tell you one thing. I know in my spirit, the caliber of people that we have here, like on a night like tonight even. If the, not only did you come to church when it was nine degrees, if it was outside, I don't think the attendance would have been much different. We are raising people here that are born again, blood washed, fire baptized, take up my cross and follow Jesus, the world behind me, the cross before me, Christians. And that's why you can have an expectation that when you come out of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, you're going to make a mark on your generation. You're not the old tequila company fighter. You're the young fighter saying, give me the mountain that God has promised to me. Say, I'm young and hungry. When I'm 70, I'll be young and hungry. If Jesus dares. If I'm 85, I'll be young and hungry. I took Bob, Bob, uh, Pastor Bob Nichols out to eat. You know, he never mentioned one thing from the past. I just preached in Dallas at, at this church. Uh, I have an invitation to preach at this place. I'm trying to figure out how I can get there. I'm looking to get healed up from what, what, whatever he's... He, he went through a physical challenge. This guy, I don't know if I told you or not. He was having heart problems, and they were taking him in for heart surgery at Baylor Hospital, and I was preaching at a, uh, I can't remember what, was it his church, Pastor Jay, when, I, when we went to go see Bob Nichols in the hospital? I was having a revival at his church. He's in the hospital, doesn't cancel the meeting. I said, do you want me to come another time? No, I want you to be at the church. Don't worry about me. He has a 50% chance to make it through the surgery, the doctor said. So I go to see him. And I go in his room because it might be the last time I see him on earth. So before the service, me and, me and Pastor Jay went over there. I went in his room by myself and I was talking to him. He said, grab me my briefcase over there. So I grabbed it. And he unzipped it and pulled out $1,600 bills. He said, I wanted to sew this to you because I believe in what you're doing. This is for you. I wanted to give this to you. I said, Pastor Bob. I'm not taking it. He said, you have to take it. If you preach sowing, you have to be able to receive. I said, I am willing to receive. But why don't you give it to me after you make it out of your surgery life? Because if you came in here with $1,600 and I came to visit you just before you pass and the money's gone, I don't know if your grandkids are going to believe you sowed it to me. <laughs> and he laughed. Yeah, I don't want to have a reputation that I robbed an old preacher <laughs> on his way into heart surgery. You know, that Jonathan guy dressed up like an orderly and went in and robbed my grandpa. He made it out of the surgery. That's him. He's getting ready. He has a 50% chance to, to, to live another day. Give me my money. I want to give it to you. Kingdom man. And he's, he, he didn't die. You don't kill people like that easy. But the other guy... That's how you get your soul required of you. You know, many people that die, and this is not, people lose people. I'm not saying everybody. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't take offense. Many people that die, died a long time before they died. They, they, they stepped out of life. When I was at Dag Haywood Mills's, Bishop Dag Haywood Mills's church in, in Accra, I went to go see him preach. And he's at that great church, 7,000 people. And he said, you know, when we were starting this church, we were having weeks of meetings 
and it started to tire out some of the staff. So we had a meeting because we had felt we should go every night. We were under persecution from the government. You know, one day he went to his big, beautiful church, and it had been bulldozed. And he said, who did this? They said the order came from the top, meaning the president of the country. The church was causing too much trouble in the spirit room. He had to start from scratch. And he said, so we're holding services every night. And we have a staff meeting. And a lady that was on staff said, I feel we should keep doing these services every night. She said, uh, people are getting touched. The church is growing. And one of the associate pastors stood up and said, yeah, you would say that. Because you don't have a, a husband. You don't have any children. So it's easy for you. I have a wife and kids and they have school. I can't come here every night. He said, I think that was the day that he died. He said, now, he died years later, but I believe he died that day. Because his heart pulled out of the kingdom of God. It's hard for me to go to church every, every day. You know, I have a lot going. What? What do you have going on? What do you have going on that trumps your heart for God? This is not a scolding. I'm not talking to people that are here on Monday night. And most of you were also here Monday afternoon. You out of 10 Muslims. <laughs> So this is not a, a veiled rebuke at you. But I'm showing you, when people's hearts stay tuned into God and his purpose for them, it's very hard for them to die. Because that's actually, you think I'm making that up? Jesus said in John chapter 4, he's doing his ministry, and the disciples said, where did he get this strength? Did somebody sneak him food that we don't know about? And Jesus responded, I get in the New Living Translation. In the King James, it says, my meat is to do the will of the one who sent me. But in the New Living, he said, I get my physical nourishment from doing the will of the one who sent me. You think you live longer if you relax, but you live longer working. Hard work doesn't kill people. Wrong work kills people. Like staying in the ministry. But then leaving the pastorate to go be overseer of something and dealing with the bureaucratic thing of a denomination. And the Lord never called you to do it. There's one denomination that their last five general overseers died in office because of the stress of it. They weren't called. They're called to preach. Yeah. Billy Graham. You know, uh, I'm going to tell you something Jesse Duplantis told me, and I've heard him say it publicly, so I'm not jeopardizing our friendship. He said he was running hard. See, there's a change you have to make in the ministry. Um, and it, it was very difficult for me. I think I just got a hold of it maybe like the middle of last year. It took me until about the middle of last year to actually be able to do it properly. Because in the beginning, you're believing God for open doors and there's like none. So you just take anything that opens up. Hey, um, they need a speaker at the nursing home on Saturday. I'm in. Because that's your only spin. You treat it. You fast for three days. You come in there believing to have a revival at the nursing home. Father, let me just pray for you. Find nine people that are here with vanilla pudding on your chin. <laughs> Father, shake this place. Let your fire fall down these. I mean, you're going for it. It's your only opportunity. So, so you get in the habit of just taking everything that's given to you. And then there comes a point. Jesse, Dr. Jesse Duplantis said, I was having all these doors opening up. You know, now he has 9,000 invitations to preach. And do, do the math on how many days there are in a year. And how, so he, he, he can't do it. You can't do it. So he said, I was running hard. 
And uh, it was starting to take a little bit of a toll on my health. I was preaching all over the place. You know, he took, once the Lord gave him that plane, he preached at T.D. Jakes' Manpower Conference at 10 a.m., then flew to Fort Worth and preached at 2 p.m. at Kenneth Copeland's Believer's Convention. Atlanta, Fort Worth. He landed the plane, got in the building, and walked on the, pulp, on the platform as they were announcing him, just running like that. So he said, I flew to one place to preach, and they had a 17-year-old pick me up. And he said it was the oddest thing. When I got off the plane, I knew that 17-year-old teenager had a word for me. Now, I'm telling you what happened. If I find out any of the youth give a prophetic word to Jesse Duplantis at this church, you will be barred from the youth group uh, forever. <laughs> but he said he picked me up from the airport, and I knew he had a word for me. And his health's deteriorating. All these opportunities are opening up. And he said, I said to him, son, did the Lord give you a word for me? He said he did. He said, then give it. He said, the Lord spoke to me that the devil kept getting in front of you to stop you. And you kept beating his head and kicking him and, and destroying him, and he couldn't do it. So instead of getting in front of you to stop you, he switched his strategy and now is getting behind you to push you. To do more and do more and do more. And when he heard that, it all clicked. So I'm not talking about, when I say that you, wrong, uh, that you should work and hard work didn't kill anyone, wrong work did. That's what happens to those guys. The devil couldn't stop them in their preaching ministry. So he started pushing them. You should be overseer and you should be in charge of this. I have a friend uh, in the ministry. He was at the point of exhaustion. Younger than me. He was running very hard. Traveling and preaching. And as he's there exhausted, the Lord spoke to him as he was laying on his bed at a meeting and said, you know you're not my only servant, right? You don't have to do everything. You have to do your thing that God spoke to you to do. How about when Jesus was preaching and there, there's Gentiles coming? And he says, okay, my time on earth is short because now the people that I'm not assigned to are starting to come and see me. And that's not my assignment. I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus knew who he was assigned to. So I'm not talking about being 80 years old and picking up three extra jobs and working. But to shut down is certain death. To disconnect. When I hear these guys, well, I'm in my 50s now. And, and so, you know, my son is taking the reins a lot at the church. You will never hear that from me. If Kofi was, was 30 years younger than me and he's competent to do everything, you would never hear, well, Kofi's here, you know, I'm in my 70s. The secret to enjoying life is to never be the rich fool and say, hey, you know, I have an, and we have a house. You know, Donald and I bought a house in Scottsdale, and uh, we like to go there two and a half weeks a month, and I'll come back and do a Sunday or two. Kofi takes care of that. When Camila gets older, if she's anointed enough and can handle it, we have Camila do it. No. I watched Bishop Oyadepo at 60, whatever he is now, eight, seven, 68 years old, five services on Sunday. He used to do all five, and now he has his son do one sometimes. Four services to 200,000 a pop, letting it rip. Then morning prayer, he's doing it. Evening prayer service during fasting and prayer, he's doing it. He's the chancellor of two universities. He's not, he, he, he's not doing what they trained us to do in America. Save up. So when you turn 60, you can retire. Don't use fasting and prayer as a means to try to accomplish a thing that God doesn't want accomplished. 
Don't use fasting and prayer to get into a life flow that God actually, not only does he not approve of it, he calls the people who decide to go that way fools. Use fasting and prayer to to receive power from heaven, to make the strongest run in 2023 that you've ever made in your entire life. And God will embrace you to do it this year in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive that, one more time, take 15 seconds, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody shout hallelujah. You fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Turn to 1 Kings 3. Now that we saw somebody do it wrong, let's close by seeing somebody who did it right. 1 Kings chapter 3. Are you blessed tonight? First Kings three. Verse three. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the kings went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Everybody say, Solomon loved the Lord. Lord. You know, with the rich fool, you never hear anything about God. I'm going to tear down barns and build bigger ones. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to enjoy. It's all you. That was Samson's problem. Samson not only jumped in and out of the anointing, Samson is the only Bible character I can think of that wrote a praise song about himself. By my own hand have I slain the Philistines. He writes like a paragraph hip-hop song about how great he is. No mention of God. But then Solomon's different. Solomon so loved the Lord that he followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local place of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. How many? How many were you supposed to offer? Seven. Solomon said, I'll see your seven and raise you 993. Oh God, you want seven burnt offerings? I'm going to do 1,000. I really love you. That night... See, when they taught this in Sunday school, they made it like God just spun a wheel with everybody's name on it and picked who he was going to make rich for no reason out of his sovereignty. But that's not what happened. The night where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. Solomon loved the Lord. So it was proved in his giving. And when he followed the Lord in that giving, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, What do you want? Ask me and I'll give it to you. I want to be the richest man who ever lived. No, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. 
And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Now, this is a man who actually was richer than the rich fool at this point. Solomon didn't get rich that night. Solomon was already rich. And the way he talked, you'd think he, was, he had no clue what he's doing. I don't know. This is too big a task. I need your help, God. Without you, I can't do anything. You don't hear the rich fool talk like that. He's the man. Daddy works hard every morning. You know why we have this house? Because I went to work every day. And I'm very skilled at investing. When people were selling stocks, I bought them and timed the market right. Everything's them. But not Solomon. God, I, without you. Now, the fear that's a spirit, we don't ascribe to. But the fear of the Lord, we subscribe to at this church. Yes. One of my motivations for fasting and prayer is I would fear to see how poorly I would do without God's immense help in my life. I don't want to take a chance and roll the dice. I don't want to see a year free from fasting and prayer because as much as fasting and prayer has accomplished, I don't want to see how I function at 20% or with half of God's help. If God lifted his finger from this ministry for 10 days, it's over. It's not like I know a lot and then God also gives me some help. It's all, anything good you see, it's all Jesus. Why in the first year of our church do we have a rotation of ushers? We have more ushers than most first-year churches have people. Why in the first year of our church do we have a rotation of children's workers? A waiting list to work in the children's department. Why? Whatever has, what attracts him to sit here night after night and protect me? And, and watch and protect the people of this church? What makes people want to teach Sunday school? Gee, some, somewhere the Holy Spirit spoke to people. Why did he speak to people? Because God's pleased with me, so he draws help. If God lifts his hand, everybody will leave. I've seen it happen at churches. You lose the Holy Ghost, you lose. And we used to be very committed there, but then we just, you know. They just, the draw that was there goes away. Everybody that's here, if we pass the microphone around, which would be pastoral suicide, so we're not going to do it. But if we did pass the, the microphone around, why are you here? Why is my youth pastor and his precious wife here for all three weeks of prayer and fasting from Maine? What drew them? What drew evangelist Sammy Den and his wife to move from uh, Illinois to Pittsburgh to be a part of this ministry? He's in full-time ministry and to help out and serve with no invitation. The Holy Spirit did it. So why is the Holy Spirit helping me to that effect? I know the button I pushed, the consecration of fasting and prayer. That's the thing that they have robbed our generation of Christians of. I mean, no, there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. We all have, no, we all have access to God's grace, but people's actions to press into God determine no help, little help, lots of help, or supernatural help. And right now, you are pushing a button these three weeks that you're not going to see a little bit of God's help, traces of God's help, some of God's help. God's help is going to overwhelm the same way it has overwhelmed this church. It's going to overwhelm every facet of your life in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive that, celebrate ahead of time. Getting ready for the greatest year. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise.
the best year that you've ever had. The best year that you've ever had. And it's not by luck, it's by covenant. Hallelujah. Solomon became the richest and wisest man because he loved God. And when God said, ask me anything you want, he said, no, not from me. I want your help with Israel. I care about what you care about. Okay, then I'll give you help to do what I care about. But now I'll give you what you did not ask for. Riches that no one has any reference point for. Riches that when the queen of Sheba sees it, she'll pass out. Because you love me, I'll give you what you didn't even ask for. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the... When do we get to break the fast? Just break it. The second Christianity turns into that, you miss it. When you do it out of delight, knowing I'm paying a price these three weeks, that the next 49 weeks, will, but no one in my family will have a reference point for the year that I'm about to have. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man, that will become the order of the day. Hallelujah! Stay on your feet, I'll, I'll shut down. I told my daughter in December, I said, hey, Camila, we're not celebrating Christmas on December 25th this year. Oh, okay. I said, we're celebrating it December 1st through December 31st. If gay pride gets a month, Jesus gets a month. And so I, I bought, I took her out almost every day, any day I was home with her, I took her out. We did stuff, Adolf did stuff with her. I said, we're having 31 days of Christmas. When Christmas ended on the 25th, we, you know, we flew out to Las Vegas and Arizona. I said, you know, just so you know, Camila, Christmas isn't over. I told you there's one week left and we're going to have fun this whole week. And then I took her and her cousin to the mall yesterday after church and bought them a bunch of stuff. I bought Camila the nicest thing I ever got her in my life. She spent the rest of the day coloring a picture to say thank you for holding the gift. Thank you, Pa. And she said, uh, how many, uh, there's some people from New Mexico here. Where's the New Mexicans? I mean, we love, we love old Mexicans too, but there's also New Mexicans here. Now, what did I say? I don't know, how many, how many of the services were you there for in Hobbs? What did I say? Every day in 2023 is going to be like what? Do you remember? Christmas. Oh, some people heard Every day is going to be like Christmas. I said, the same way you have an expectation on the 25th where you'd actually be, be disappointed if you woke up and there's nothing under the tree, whether you know it or not, no matter how religious you are, you do set that one day that it's supposed to be special. Even if you told your, your husband, don't buy me anything. Which, first of all, quit saying that because you're like a borderline loser. <laughs> don't buy me anything. Shut up. It's Christmas. Resume your depression on the 26th, but I'm buying you something. But even if you did tell somebody, don't buy me anything, you'd be semi-disappointed on the 25th, even though it was your own fault. Because that's a day something's supposed to happen that's out of the ordinary and different for you. True? Now, what if you carry, this is what the Lord had me say in New Mexico. What if you carried that same expectation into every day? 
Because the Bible doesn't say one time a year, goodness and mercy will follow you. It says every day. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you. How many days? Last week was exciting for me. When the Lord, I felt my spirit. I'm going to have Pastor Rodney in on Monday. I'm going to have Dr. Jesse in that week. I call him. No, I'm sorry. He's all booked up. There's no, no, no space. And then when they told him that he's all booked up and he found out it was here, he said, move something. And he came. It was all supernatural. Those guys, you got to book them like eight months out. Dr. Rodney, and then my Uncle Ted said, is Rodney coming on Monday? I'm going to come up and see him. I said, then stay through Wednesday and do the Wednesday because I'm going to be in Texas preaching on Daystar. And that, that week was just, last week was awesome. Sunday, maybe I just have a short memory or something, but, but yesterday was like my favorite Sunday. It, it just, I told Dr. Rodney on the phone when I was driving here because he wanted me to help him set up his Xbox. So I was talking to him because he wants to play tonight. Um, probably should have left that part out, but uh, what I meant to say is we were praying for missionaries and uh, And it, don't ask me what my screen name is so you can play with me because when people shoot me, I get upset and I say things. You won't respect me as a pastor anymore. So you can't have my screen name. Plus, I'm embarrassed of my screen name because while I was away, my daughter got on and changed my screen name to Sugar Rush with a logo of a cupcake. So between me getting angry and my logo, you'll, you won't, you'll switch churches. I said to Pastor Rodney, I said, I don't know if it's the Catholic and Presbyterian background of the area. I said, but did you notice no one moves when you preach here? You know, they say, you're in a three-hour service. No one even goes to the bathroom. I'm going to have to spray down the seats, but no one goes to the bathroom. <laughs> I preached uh, whatever we had yesterday, seven, seven plus. No one moves. No one moves at the altar call. You know, a lot of churches, when you give the altar call to get saved, everybody just puts their jackets on and walks out. They don't give a crap about souls. No, no crap. <laughs> no craps. They don't care. People can go to hell. The altar call is time to leave. Get your jacket when he gives the altar call. <laughs> Shaking hands on the way out. I have thoughts of murder go through my head when I see that I'm in other churches. This church. People clap when the people come forward. People are walking people forward. People are helping people out of their seats. An army, a thousand strong of soul winners. They love God. Dr. Rodney. Not, what, what time did Dr. Rodney's service get over? 11.08? Not that I was counting, but 11.08. The, the auditorium was full when he started. It was full when he left. With the over, People won't leave. People are very hungry here. And I was telling him, I said, people act like what you treat them to be. If you treat people like they're losers, they turn into losers. When you have them come up to a level of being a champion, they act like champions. He said, you're right, because last night, you know, that building's not finished yet in, in Florida. And it was 38 degrees in Florida Sunday night. Now, 38 degrees in, in Pennsylvania is cold, but Floridians, they are very weak people. <laughs> You go to Florida, it's 58 degrees. People have mittens on. I'm telling you the truth. A pastor picked up my dad from the airport when I was traveling with him in Orlando. 
It was 55 degrees outside. He had on a wool dress jacket and leather gloves. It's like, hey, relax, buddy. We're not on Everest. You'll live. Yeah, but with wind chill, it's 53. So, uh, <laughs> sure. Where'd you grow up? I know you lived down there, but yeah, you grew up in Detroit. So that must be funny to you, going from Detroit to Florida, watching them like die in the 60s, in what we consider summer weather. <laughs> So he said, you're right. The, the, it was 38 degrees, and we had, for the Sunday night service, knowing it was going to be in 38-degree weather, there was just under 1,000 people that showed up. And they sit. Now, that's outside. That's not they had to walk from the car to the church in 38. That's Floridians that were going to sit in 38. That's cold. And even though if, if it's not cold to start, it's, if you've ever gone to a pirate game or whatever early in the year, it sets in on you after about 45 minutes, like gets in your bones. But he's not raising Florida first world Christians. Rodney Howard Brown basically forced African Christianity into Florida. Even his church is a crusade ground. There's no grass, so he made fake grass. So he felt at home. And look what he's producing. Bible college students, they didn't go home when a hurricane was going to hit their Bible college. They stayed and prayed it away. And that's what God's doing here. I said, that's what God's doing here. The Christians that God is going to use to destroy the hold of the devil in the United States of America, I'm looking them in the face right now. You're going to be the one that does it. This is going to be the generation of Christians that Joel foresaw, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is that group. This is the receiving of that spirit to take your part. Say, I'm not retiring. I'm refiring. Seven hundred some people yesterday. And no one moves. And that wasn't a short service. Close to three hours for Sunday, no one leaves. The church grows. You can't have long Sunday services or people won't come. Yeah, yeah, your people won't come. But I found people that'll come. And it'll fast and pray. You know, you can't get the American church. I heard a guy on Christian TV the other day say, if you ever want to have a small meeting, call a prayer meeting. I'd heard that my whole life, but I thought, well, we'll at least see. I'm going to, I'm going to see at least. I'm going to see if that's true or I'm going to see if there's still Americans that love God. Modern day Solomons. I love you. I love the, Solomon so loved the Lord. Stay on your feet and, and, and take your Bible and open it to Matthew 11, 11. We'll close with this scripture. I mean, close, close. You can keep playing. I like your music. My Uncle Ted really liked your music. This is Jesus speaking. So you saw Solomon became the richest man who ever lived, right? Matthew 11, 11. I tell you the truth and the wisest man. I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. So Solomon's not the greatest. He may have been as great. So if you're going to draw a mathematic sign, it would be uh, the alligator mouth with the line under it. You can be as great 
but you can't be greater. Equal to or less than. Of all who have lived, all are equal to at best or less than John the Baptist, including Solomon. Then what's the next part of the line? But I tell you the truth, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So my redemption, was Solomon redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Could Solomon have the infilling of the Holy Spirit like we have in the new covenant? So of all who lived, no one was greater than John the Baptist, but the least by redemption is greater than he. So what you see in those Old Testament characters and the riches and health and physical exploits, Abraham having a child at 99, Abraham leading men out to battle in his 80s, physical hand-to-hand <laughs> -hand combat. They didn't have guns. The health exploits, the wealth exploits, the wisdom exploits, the building exploits, all of them are less than you. It's not a picture of what's impossible. It's what's a picture of what's possible on the low end to the New Testament believer. Hmm. And that should put a smile on your face for the coming year. Lift your hands all over this place. Those of you that are watching online, lift your hands. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man shall be the order of the day for you this year. As we press in strongly in this final week, I thank you, Father, that your power is not only touching us now, but it's going into our future and creating a year that we don't have a reference point for. In Jesus' name, I thank you for Christmas every day. I thank you for Christmas every day of 2023. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. Put your hands down and look up at me. I took my, wife, my uh, daughter and her friend, or her cousin, uh, Anna, to the mall after church. I bought them some stuff, took them to lunch. And because uh, you can't have your kids fast, that's called child abuse. So and we just spent the day, and I, I got them a bunch of stuff. And Camila said this morning, she went, Pa, you said that December was going to be 31 days of Christmas. Now it's like two months now. Because we just keep living like that. And people keep blessing us. I, my, my, my wife wants to hunt elk, so I got her a proper elk rifle. And the guy messaged me that it was in. We went down and picked it up today. She gave me a big hug. I, I'm living like that. I'm living. I told you when Bob Nichols, that 86-year-old pastor, sat across the table from me last week, he was telling me, my wife went home to be with the Lord a couple months ago. He said, I preached in Dallas, and I wanted to come home and tell her about how great the meeting was. And then I remembered she's gone. He said, that's tough. Then he looked at me and Adonis. He said, enjoy each other while you're young. Live. And I'm taking the advice from that old man because it's Bible advice from a 55-year-old minister full of the word, and it's all through the Bible. I'm not storing up one day so I can eat, drink, and be merry. I'm pressing in now. I'm treating this like Jesus is coming January 1st, 2024. Yeah, we plan for the future, but it's time to act now. Whatever's in your heart for dreams. And when the door opens, walks through it because you're going to have plenty of open doors. Keniel, did I butcher it? Say it right. Keniel. Come out around if you would. When do you go back to, to Montreal? 
Lift both hands. Close both eyes. The Lord begins to open doors for your evangelistic ministry. Proper doors. You've proved yourself faithful with opportunities that nobody would even want. Now the Lord's going to give you the opportunities everybody wants. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Because you love God. You love God. You're doing evangelism because you love God. That's, the, that's how to live. Do everything out of your love for, for God and your love for people. If you're not watching online, you're here live. But the people watching on live know that the title of tonight is Impartation Service. Lift both hands. The Bible says, His Spirit entered into me when He spake unto me. So there's an impartation that comes from hearing the preaching of the Word. And that's what you received. And what you're receiving right now is an impartation. It's the greatest impartation you could ever receive. An impartation of a love for God and his kingdom. That will fuel all the other things. People go after all the things of the covenant, like singularly. I need a car. I need a house. I'm believing for new tires. But if you would just get infected with a rich love for God, Kofi does very well now. He's in the front row. He's got Christian Louboutin shoes on. He doesn't stay here all night praying for luxury sneakers. They just come. People bless him. He loves God. He got infected with a love for God in Worcester, Massachusetts, and went to Bible college, and the Lord hooked us up. And now he's flying. His wife's all decked out. They're, everything they have is first class. Putting his brother through Bible college, sending money back to his mother in Ghana, feeding orphans and widows in his home country. He's not even 40 years old yet. And he didn't even know the Lord just a handful of years ago. He's not a professional minister. He loves God. And when you love God, like Solomon, so loved the Lord that he gave. And the Lord appeared to him that night and said, tell me what you want. I'll give you anything you want. Oh, uh, actually, what I'd like is I want something for you. You know, and I have that, and I'm not bragging. If I'm telling you from a pure heart, if Jesus appeared to me right now and said, I, I, I'm very pleased with how you've conducted yourself, I'll give you anything you, you'd like as a reward. I'd say I'd like 1,000 acres in Pittsburgh with a 5,500-seater church uh, built and paid for and all the permits. If I could have one thing, that's what I want. And I don't want to... In fact, when somebody gave me a million dollars for the ministry, that's why I didn't build a parsonage or take a race. I wanted to show the Lord, if you give the money to me, I'm going to build... Now, if you think I'm under-housed, then you build me a house. But everything I have is going to be to build for you. That's what I want. Then obviously I bless my wife and kids. But I'm talking the bulk of my money, the bulk, <laughs> the heavy bulk, is, is to make things happen. My thought life lives in the kingdom of God. My if, love the Lord your God with all your, that's your spirit. All your soul, that's your mind, intellect, your thought life. Meditate. Father, speak to my mind. How can I get this done? We're out of parking. How do we deal with the parking? We need a new building. Show me what to do. My thoughts are about the kingdom and all your strength. Well, that's what all night prayer is, all your strength. That actually fulfills the all your strength thing. All night prayer on a fast. Is, now, if Jesus came and said, now you've never loved me with all your strength, I'd say, now look, I don't want to argue with you. You're right, but I, I just want to bring up one thing I did that I feel like is that. You gave all your sleep. You gave all your, <laughs> no one was walking around here eating sandwiches. 
So you're not eating, you're not sleeping, and you're praying. That's giving your, your strength to God. You know, that's a seed. All night prayer is a seed. I preached at a church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's the largest church in South Dakota. And the pastor had just turned 70, and he showed me the piano in the sanctuary. He said, every Saturday night before church, I come here at 2 in the morning and just play songs to God from 2 uh, a.m. till 8 a.m., and then I go up to my office, get changed, and come down and do church. And the church blew because that's just him in the sanctuary, just playing the piano and singing out love songs to God. Love, it's not difficult. It'll keep you out of the keep me in prayer, keep me in prayer, I need prayer club. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Brother Steve, you posted that testimony on Facebook, right? Come tell everybody. I mean, you, already, you made it public. You don't have to say anything you don't want to say. But come around. I'll stand with you. But this, this is what happens when you get infected with the love for God. Nobody has to beat anything out of you. You just, the Lord starts stripping things away, and you get closer to him. So just tell the gist. You don't have to tell anything you don't want to tell. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've never been a huge drinker, at least not since probably 19 or 20 when I, I was a major drinker. Um, but I would always go out to the local bar or whatever with friends, have drinks, nothing major. And since joining our RTC and experiencing what we experience here on a very regular basis, the, the Which is what? what? Tell me from your perspective, what do you experience here? What do you like? What, what is it? The Holy Spirit. And how, like how, like how? What do you feel or what is it, what happens? On a, on a very regular basis, I am constantly just hit. And it, it's hard to explain. I mean, uh, it, it's just, I come in here and it's joy, it's, Things of the outside world fade for me. And I've gotten hope. Um, I've got dreams that have come alive again. And things have changed in my life. Even today, we've had prayers answered that I was praying at all night prayer. Um, and so what Pastor Jonathan was referring to, my desire to drink just by by February, it was like, eh, now I'm passing on, you know. I'm, it, it just slowly, I, I wasn't drinking as often going out with friends or for dinner. And we... Uh, I probably haven't had, I drank mainly beer. I haven't had a, dr a drink of beer for months. And we had in our basement a whole cabinet full of alcohol. Barely ever drank it, but it was there. And, but it was bothering us. Where It was bothering me, I should say. Where it was just like, why is that here? <laughs> like, it, it just, it didn't make sense. The life we were now living, it just didn't fit in our house. And so 
so we ended up with some advice from Pastor uh, Augustine, thank you. And we said, we were like talking about it and said, you know, should we just throw this out? Should we dump it? Should, like, we, giving it away didn't seem right. <laughs> and, you know, and so he recommended, why don't you, I said, I'll have some friends that will really not be happy dumping it out. You know, the, the phrase alcohol abuse would come out of their mouth. That's alcohol abuse. You're dumping it down the drain. But he said, well, that'd be a great video to shoot. And so we made, a, we made a video dumping a couple bottles down the drain and then showing all of them empty. And I posted that on, on my social media accounts. Oh, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Give Jesus a great big hand clap again. I've never come in here one Sunday and said, I'm going to get these Pittsburgh people to stop drinking alcohol. We don't touch on it much. I've never done a sermon on it. I've mentioned it. It's drunkenness in the Bible, but I've never hammered people. Because people here, most people drink in the country. And then if you, all they hear is I drink so I can't come back to church. So I've mentioned that you'll go to hell if you get drunk because it's in there and it's important to know. But I've never said, nah, I don't. I've told you the opposite. I said, if I ever walk by in Pramani Brothers and you have a beer on the table, you don't have you don't have to hide it. You live how you live. I'm not going to, what's that? <laughs> you know, but it is interesting. I have walked into people's homes before, and they start apologizing for things that are in their home. I never said anything. So if there's things that if I came over to your house, you'd have to start going into a discourse on. I know that my wife and I have always loved nude art, and we bought this picture of a nude, you know, it's just, it's, it's from Greece, and our family's from Greece. <laughs> and all I did is walk in. It's like, if, if you're convicted, then... You need the nude statue needs to go. <laughs> we rented a house in Florida one time for our whole staff, and they had a, a, a nude painting on the thing. We got a modesty cloth from Pastor Rodney's church and pinned it over the, the painting. I don't know if we're welcome to rent homes on that website anymore, but I'm just telling you what we did. So think about that before we, we, we finish this fast. If I was going to come in your house, are there things? I remember we went over this one guy's house. We walked by a wine cabinet. I'm not so good. I know people have wine. I didn't grow, I'm not, I'm not Amish. What are these light bulbs? Yeah, you have a wine cabinet. I know, I've seen them before. I'm not even going to bring it up. I didn't wince. I didn't go, nothing. I'm in a good mood. And um, we don't even really drink. It's just like we have a collection from different places. Where you go, oh, yeah, why is it, why? Why do you have to give a de defense? I don't do that about, uh, you don't do that about things you're not convicted about. That's a dining room table. We like to eat on it, and, you know, that way we don't have to hold the food over the kitchen. It's a carpet. It makes it soft on our feet. Uh, I don't even really walk on it that much. Get rid of everything this week that's holding you back because God...
God isn't putting his finger on it for no reason. He's stripping away all the things that are keeping you from your championship belt. All of you, all of you shall obtain the prize. All of you shall win your fight. All of you shall finish your race in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive that impartation. Receive that impartation today in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it out loud, I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above, never beneath. I'm going to the top, baby. No devil can stop me. God is for me. No man can be against me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, now shout from your spirit. Shout from your spirit. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Shout for the victory. The kind of shout that makes Jericho's walls come down. I'm going to the top. I'm taking the mountain that God promised me. Hallelujah. You're going to change. Where do you live, Tennessee? My, my friend. You're going to change Tennessee. You're going to change Pennsylvania. You're going to change Hawaii. You're going to change uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. We have a room full of people that are on fire for God. And the fire shall never go out. You're going to change Louisiana. Those three, those three ladies that came from Wisconsin that left this afternoon found me on YouTube got on fire for God, came down for prayer and fasting. You know what she said? I saw your preaching in Wisconsin on April 22nd. Now, the part of Wisconsin I'm preaching in, it would be like if I was preaching in, in Harrisburg. You know, it's not near Pittsburgh. <laughs> I've had preachers call me for that don't own a globe. Hey, I'm preaching in, in Harrisburg. Hey, that's great. Let me know when you're in Pittsburgh. Have a great meeting. I saw your preaching in, in Wisconsin. It's on the other side of the state from them. You're preaching there April 22nd. I get married April 23rd. So I'm, uh, I'm driving the entire wedding party out to hear you, and then we're going to drive back through the night for the wedding in the morning. That, that's on fire for God. That's somebody in their 20s. I'm telling you, everything they tried to do to strip God out of America, it has failed. The righteous shall possess the land. I'm going to have Sister Clarita sing you out of here with whatever's on her heart. But before I do, every head bowed, every guy closed. If you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please do that tonight and do it quickly. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. Don't die in your sins. It's why Jesus came. If you want to make that commitment tonight and have tonight at this altar as your memory, for that's the day I settled my account with God and closed my account with the devil. Put your hand up high and wave it at me right now. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. I'm getting rid of sin. I'm not going to live an unholy, half-backslidden life. I'm coming all the way in to the kingdom of God. If you need to do that tonight, put your hand up high. In Jesus' name. If everyone here is saved, then everybody that's online that would like to do that, I want you to pray 
and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Turn your back on sin. And once you do, go to RevivalToday.com and click, I just got saved. Fill that out, and I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to welcome you to the family of God. Amen. You can be seated briefly. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. People travel in and want to sow. And uh, this church has like a current to it where there's just people, new people in all the time from all over the place. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You can do it on your phone, revivaltoday.com, and click Give Now. There's also envelopes in the back of the seat, and you can go there, and uh, it's self-explanatory on the envelope. Those of you that are online, thank you for your enormous giving. The first week of January last year was a record uh, week for the ministry, and this week's first week financially was double that week. So, I want to thank all the people. I mean, it, it's, it's astounding to me that thousands of people would watch from all over the world and give. Even that part's abnormal. Normally, you start taking the offering, and on YouTube, it goes from like, if you watch other people's, it goes from like 800 to 8. Offering time. <laughs> and ours holds because it's, it's givers it's people that love to give and know the blessing of giving how many of you have experienced the blessing of putting God first in your finances so remember if you're a member of this church we're not hitting you up for money every night but there's new people coming through all the time for just a two, one day, two day, three day and people come to give and we give them the opportunity to also same with online but don't feel any pressure because there is no pressure. If you ever feel pressure in this church, you manufactured it because we're not under any pressure. So you're under fake pressure. There's never been one service and there never be. Who will give $100? Everyone that gives $100, come here. I will lay hands on you now. Everyone that gives less than 100 stay back from me. Anyone that gives 1000 I have a special word that I'll make up between when you write the check and when you come up here. Let each man give as he's directed by the Spirit, not reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Anything you don't give with joy, you shouldn't give at all. So you'll never be manipulated here. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you have been blessed tonight? Well, Tuesday, me. Wednesday, Dr. Bob Rogers. One of the most enjoyable people that I've ever been around. You're going to love uh, Wednesday, Dr. Bob Rogers. Thursday, Dr. Bob Rogers. And he's, their whole church is on 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then Friday, <laughs> he's a funny guy. When they went to build their new church, no banks would give them a loan for it because they didn't want any new churches built. So he went to high school. He's 70 years old. He went to high school with the guy that runs organized crime in Louisville and borrowed the money from him. So he told me that in his Kentucky accent. He went, they're fine as long as you pay them on time. I'm not putting that out there for advice. I'm just telling you what happened. So you're going to meet a very interesting man. It's the church that Colonel Sanders from KFC got saved and baptized in. And they were friends right up until he went to heaven. 
So he'll be here Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday, uh, we close out the week, take Saturday off, Sunday morning at the Dome, Sunday night back here at 6 p.m., and we'll break the fast with communion, and then following the communion, Oso's Pizza. I don't know if you like Oso's Pizza or not, but I do, and I'm the pastor, so we're having Oso's Pizza. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.